Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. This week on Viewpoints. The astronauts have to do around two hours of exercise every single day so they keep the loss of muscle and bone as minimal as possible. What exactly happens to our bodies in space? Then, when you're thinking about applying to graduate school or your career, it doesn't really matter where you started college, it does matter where you graduated from college. Examining the hefty price tag of traditional higher education, I'm Marty Peterson. And I'm Gary Price. These stories in-depth this week on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints. The thing about the Home and Auto Bundle from Progressive is that by now you've heard a lot of ads about the Home and Auto Bundle from Progressive. We don't even need the words the Home and Auto Bundle anymore to tell you that you could save big with the ring-tailed lemur from Progressive or that every hot peach cobbler comes with round-the-clock service and protection. And that's the thing about the goat with magic powers. You've heard a lot of ads about the sushi in Vancouver. See how much you could save with the Home and Auto Bundle <clears throat> with the Shaman in the Jungle from Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Over time, humans have evolved to thrive on Earth. Everything from how we breathe to how we move is built for the conditions on land. So what happens when we travel outside of Earth's atmosphere and spend time in space? Well, there's an entire branch of medicine dedicated to answering this question as humans push the boundaries of space exploration. One of the careers within this field is a NASA flight surgeon, a specially trained doctor that works from the NASA Mission Control Center to check on the crew of astronauts in space. This person is always at the ready in case a situation develops where they need to give quick medical advice or direction. In addition to this position, each mission has one astronaut on the spacecraft who is assigned the title of crew medical officer. But this person doesn't need to be a physician. It's just some additional training that any of the astronauts get when they're here on, on Earth. So they get training on how to start an IV line and how to use some of the medical equipment that exists on the space station. And again, the thing is that you have a platoon of flight surgeons and medical experts at your disposal if anything needs to be done or if there's any medical cases. That's Dr. Emmanuel Urquita, the chief medical officer at the Translational Research Institute for Space Health, a key partner of NASA. He's also an assistant professor at the Center for Space Medicine at the Baylor College of Medicine. He says the field of space medicine is always evolving as people prepare for future endeavors, like sending humans to Mars, a mission that poses many challenges. As we move on missions 
farther and longer from Earth and longer than what we have on the space station, a mission to Mars is going to take about three years, right? And they're going to be fully isolated most of the time there. So once you are on Mars or on a Mars orbit, delay of communications is going to be about 40 minutes. So if you have a medical emergency and you have to call Houston, it's going to take about 20 minutes for those communications to come back to Earth. And then when the flight surgeon gets the message, another 20 minutes to respond back back to Mars. So you cannot rely on real-time support and real-time communications for that. If there's a medical emergency in 40 minutes, you know, a lot of things can happen in 40 minutes. During this mission to Mars, scientists have mapped out that there will be about a one-month period where the sun will be in between Mars and Earth, blocking out all forms of communication. In the case of a medical emergency, the astronauts would have to figure it out alone. Another barrier, keeping a fresh supply of medications. The other thing is how will we make sure that they have enough medications for this trip? Most of the medications expire in a year or so. So how would we be able to produce medications in real time so that we have all of the medical capabilities when you cannot have any resupply vehicles? The three-year mission to Mars would break the record for the longest time spent in space. Currently, the title goes to a Russian astronaut who was in orbit for more than 14 months from 1994 to 1995. Urquita says that on average, today, the majority of flights are six months or shorter. But in any case, this confined, isolating, and unnatural environment can take a heavy toll on the body. We, as a human species, we have been designed and we have evolved over millions of years on a one-gravity environment with a normal atmospheric pressure with a very specific concentration of oxygen and nitrogen on the atmosphere, really with the gravity pulling the blood for legs and telling our brain and our ears and our eyes where it's up, down, left, right, front and back. So when the astronauts go to space, the first thing that happens is that you immediately remove the gravitational field from them. So really, immediately, there's a fluid shifting. So the blood that normally, humans, we have about 80% of the blood on the legs because, again, there's the pull from the gravity to the legs. So when you go to space, there's no gravity. So all this blood needs to redistribute to the rest of the body. So there's an equal amount of pressure on the legs, the, the abdomen, the chest, and the head. Despite the many months or years of training on Earth, this sudden shift into a zero-gravity setting can be jarring for the body. One of the most common ailments that astronauts battle with is muscle and bone atrophy. Rikita says that each month spent in space sums up to about a 10% drop in muscle mass. This naturally occurs because the body is no longer working against the force of gravity, and without this constant effort, these parts deteriorate. To counteract this, the crew spends hours every day exercising. As a matter of fact, we have been on the space station for the last 20 plus years. And um, we have very, very robust equipment there. There's three exercise devices. One is a weightlifting device. We have a treadmill and we have a cycle ergometer, which is basically a bicycle. So the astronauts have to do around two hours of exercise every single day so they keep the loss of muscle and bone as minimal as possible. So when they come back to Earth, really, there's not a lot of muscle and bone that is lost. Now, that being said, when we go deeper into space, the, the volume that the spacecraft will have available to accommodate this equipment is very small. So we'll not have those really uh, sturdy equipments that we have on, on the space station available. So we will need to think and we need to develop new technologies that can provide the same level of 
countermeasures and prevention while making the, the equipment as smaller as possible. In addition to muscle and bone loss, another side effect can be vision impairment. This condition is commonly referred to as spaceflight-associated neuroocular syndrome, or SANS. Some astronauts that have been in space for long-duration flights have reported becoming far-sighted as early as three weeks into the mission. This means they can no longer read close-up text as easily as they could before. Scientists haven't yet determined the exact cause of this condition, but there are several hypotheses. What we see in the eye is that if you do an MRI, a magnetic resonance imaging of the eyeball before flight, you will see that the eyeball is a perfect uh, sphere. It's a perfect circle. Now, if you take the same MRI of the same astronaut after flight, someone who has developed the symptoms of SANS that I was mentioning, then you can see that really the shape of the eye changes a little bit. The part of the eye that is close to the brain, where the optic nerve comes from the brain into the eyeball, you can see that, that part is a little bit pushed forward. So it's not as spheric as it was before. So those changes are mainly driven by an increase of fluid, and this comes from the cephalate fluid, or the fluid shift that I was mentioning at the beginning of this talk. Because there's no gravity pulling fluid down toward the legs, there's an increase in pressure in the head and eyes, which Orkita and other scientists believe creates this space-specific syndrome. However, there are still some mysterious aspects of SANS that scientists can't seem to explain. There's a lot of interesting things of, on SANS. Like, if you're going to get SANS, it always starts on the right eye. And then it will, all, then if it becomes bilateral, it will move to the left eye. But it always starts on the right side. In terms of treatment for this syndrome, there's no quick or easy fix. For now, the best option is to send astronauts reading glasses to improve their eyesight. The good news is that once astronauts are back on Earth, their vision has shown to slowly return to normal. This healing can take weeks or months for most, but there have been reported cases where it's taken years for the eyes to fully readjust. While SANS often fades with time, one other risk does not. This is cosmic radiation, a form of energy that is ubiquitous in space and can lead to radiation sickness and an increased lifetime risk of developing cancer and other diseases. So how does space radiation differ from what we're used to on Earth? Here on Earth, we're worried about radiation from, let's say, x-rays, nuclear power plants, the remnants from all the nuclear testing that is still in the atmosphere, and mostly radiation from underground, the radon that comes from underground. And this is radiation that you can shield with thick materials like concrete or lead. And this is radiation that is not very energetic. It doesn't have a lot of energy. It doesn't travel that fast. Now, when you talk about radiation in space, there's two types of radiation that you have to worry about. The first one is the galactic cosmic radiation that comes from supernova from stars. Every time a star explodes, there's radiation they release. And there's also radiation that is remnant from the Big Bang, from the creation of the universe. So this radiation that we call galactic cosmic radiation, or GCR, is very, very difficult to shield. The second type of radiation is the solar particle events. This is when there's a solar flare on the sun, and most of these are somehow predictable. So when something like this happens, the astronauts will have to go to the most shielded part of the, of the spacecraft and could be protected from radiation. Rikita notes that galactic space radiation poses a big risk to astronauts and is one of the most challenging problems to solve. One way scientists are searching for answers is by studying organisms that are far more resistant to radiation than we are. One extremely small animal that scientists are particularly interested in is the tardigrade, 
a microscopic water-dwelling creature that is one of the oldest species known to man. These are very, very tiny species that are extremely resilient to extreme environments, like extremes of temperatures, extremes of pressures, and also very, very increased levels of radiation. So we're looking into what genes these tardigrades or these water birds have that share the genes with humans, and we call those human homologs. We're also looking at other species, for example, E. coli. It's a type of bacteria that also has some genes that increase their natural resistance to radiation. The eventual end goal is that once these shared genes are found, scientists can one day increase the expression of these genes in humans in order to increase our natural resiliency to radiation. It's very complex work, but provides an avenue of hope for the future. As humans continue to push the envelope on space travel, there come many challenges and risks. But the scientists, engineers, and astronauts who dream big are ready to tackle these head-on. To find out more about this topic and our guest, Dr. Emmanuel Urquita, visit viewpointsradio.org. This segment was written and produced by Amira Zaveri. I'm Gary Price. Coming up, the total U.S. student loan debt is now almost $1.6 trillion. What do we do when Viewpoints returns? Saving for taxes is hard for many business owners, perhaps especially independent contractors, artists, and entrepreneurs. Some business owners simply can't stop themselves from spending all the money as it comes in, then incurring more and more unsecured debt to pay their taxes and other obligations. Those businesses are sinking, even if they don't know it yet. But help for debtors is available now. Business Debtors Anonymous is a 12-step recovery program with meetings every day, where members support one another as they stop incurring new unsecured debt. At meetings, recovering members share how their lives have been transformed. Their stories will be reassuringly similar to your own. This 12-step program offers hope, clarity, and serenity, along with immediately usable tools to support better management of your personal and business finances. Find more information and request free program literature at helpfordebtors.org. That's helpfordebtors.org. I am one of thousands of women with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that has spread to other parts of the body. I am living in the moment and taking Ibrantz, Palcocyclib. Ibrantz 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for postmenopausal women or for men with HR positive, HER2 negative MBC as the first hormonal-based therapy. Be in your moment. Ask your doctor about Ibrantz and visit Ibrantz.com. Patients taking Ibrantz can develop low white blood cell counts, which may cause serious infections that can lead to death. Ibrantz may cause severe inflammation of the lungs that can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrantz, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are pregnant, breastfeeding, or plan to become pregnant. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. Today, more than 44 million Americans have student loan debt. Take a look at the class of 2016. The average student who graduated from a four-year public university with their bachelor's degree 
left with $28,600 in loans, according to data from the National Center for Education Statistics. This heavy burden of debt can follow people around for decades and severely push back big life decisions, like buying a home or starting a family. In recent years, there's been a growing public backing to tackle this crisis and make higher education more affordable. Last year, a popular idea that now President Biden campaigned on was the promise of reducing existing student loan debt and drastically lowering the cost of college. Some of his current plans aim to make tuition free at public universities for families that earn less than $125,000 a year. Another proposal is expanding the role of community college by providing free tuition for the first two years of enrollment. While these ideas sound great, this type of progressive legislation will face an uphill battle in a closely divided Congress. So, with policies and promises still up in the air, how should current high school students and their parents prepare? In what ways can people save money? Well, one increasingly popular option is community college. Many families are considering attending a one-year or two-year program at the junior college level, and the ability to get a great education at a very affordable cost, and then they could transfer to another institution with those credits, and they've saved significant dollars toward their educational budget. So it's something that is becoming more and more accepted, especially during the pandemic. A lot of students didn't feel comfortable traveling out of state, so they were looking at institutions closer to home. And you can get a great education at a two-year community college and take those credits and apply them to any four-year college. That's James Lewis, the president of the National Society of High School Scholars, an academic honors society catering to bright high school students getting ready for higher education. The organization hosts scholarship panels, college webinars, and other informational sessions that student members can benefit from. And in working with students, Lewis says that he has seen greater interest in community college rather than the traditional route. This is in part due to more prominent four-year universities linking up with these smaller institutions to offer a direct transfer program if students meet certain GPA and coursework requirements. Some states, like here in Georgia, the two-year programs are connected to the four-year institutions. So there's an opportunity to look at community colleges that are affiliated with part of the university system of the state. So when you're choosing a community college, you should look to see what kind of affiliations they have with the four-year programs, and some of them are automatic. So the ability to attend a two-year program and then be automatically admitted, like here in Georgia, to University of Georgia or Georgia State or Georgia Tech, that's a one way of success of reducing costs, but using it as a feeder program to some great universities. And it really depends on, you know, when you're thinking about applying to graduate school or your career, it doesn't really matter where you started college, it does matter where you graduated from college. Spending the first two years after high school enrolled at a nearby community college is a smart way to avoid the many thousands in loans. The average yearly tuition for an in-district community college is a little over $3,000. Compare this to the annual cost of more than $9,000 for an in-state public four-year university. 
Also, add on about $6,000 per year for living expenses if the student's living on campus. While community college is a fantastic option, it would be naive to assume that it's a good fit for everyone. There are thousands of scholarships and grants that can help cut down the cost of a four-year university, but it's up to the student to seek these resources out. I would recommend your listeners to make Google their best friend in the way of identifying potential scholarship opportunities and the ability to connect an individual's passion and career interest. And then if they do that and Google it with the word scholarship, you'd be surprised on the resources that are available online. There's even a scholarship for tall people, believe it or not. So something unique is being a tall individual if you Google tall and scholarships, you'll get a great number of scholarships offered to students who are tall, for example. Lewis points out that even the Central Intelligence Agency offers scholarships to young academics interested in the intelligence field. Selected recipients can get up to $25,000 in tuition assistance per year. In exchange, they work for the CIA post-graduation for a fixed number of years. They hire individuals at 18 and offer wonderful scholarships to their student staffers. So, you know, you wouldn't think as a young high school student, you know, what's available to me to help provide support for my education. But the Army is a great resource. The CIA is a great resource. And the opportunity to think big. Don't limit yourself. Another route that opens doors for people set on saving money is class selection in high school. Advanced placement classes can be challenging. However, doing well on AP tests at the end of the semester can translate into valuable college credit. I would recommend students take AP classes while they're in high school because the opportunity to take them, and if a student does well on the AP exams, if you, for instance, would get a 4 or a 5 on the test, Many universities accept them as academic credit. So you can get them while you're in high school, but you're actually helping make that down payment for taking less outstanding classes in college. So I strongly encourage students to take as many AP as they can handle academically, study hard, and at least get a four or five on their final exam. Now, they will have to look at the individual institutions to see which universities will accept which particular credits. Some universities don't accept AP exams, but a lot of them do. At the end of the day, for both students and parents, it can be tempting to get caught up in the allure of a university without inspecting the price tag. Too often, people believe that the high cost of a four-year public, out-of-state, or private university is worth it and they'll easily be able to pay back the large loans after securing a well-paying job after graduation. But life isn't always so predictable. Racking up dollars or $40,000 in debt can put a lot of pressure on a student or their families shouldering the cost. Take some time, weigh out all of the options, and calculate the full cost of tuition, boarding, and living expenses per year before accepting any offer. To find out more about our guest, James Lewis, and the National Society of High School Scholars, visit viewpointsradio.org. This segment was written and produced by Amira Zaveri. Studio production by Jason Dickey. I'm Marty Peterson. Viewpoints returns in just a moment.
A new report from Mimecast shows that 79% of companies experienced a business disruption or financial loss last year due to a lack of cyber preparedness. The annual State of Email Security report by cyber resilience company Mimecast shows that a stunning 61% of companies were hit by ransomware last year, on average losing six working days. Even though 70% of organizations surveyed expect to be harmed by an email-borne attack this year, 40% still fall short in one or more critical areas of email security systems. According to Josh Douglas, Mimecast Vice President of Threat Intelligence. Companies know they're exposed, but are not committing to the technology and training required to protect their environment. These exposure points are inflamed by so many companies rapidly adopting digital office models. Leaving employees untrained and unprotected in this highly distributed digital environment puts organizations at risk of digital deception. Download the full report and learn how companies can protect themselves at Mimecast.com. Welcome to Culture Crash, where we examine what's new and old in entertainment. Psychologically speaking, smell is the sense most closely tied to memories, meaning the smell of our parents' cooking or a late family member's perfume may draw up old, nostalgic memories. But that doesn't mean the other senses can't do something similar, and millennials recently had that put to the test when Taylor Swift re-released her 2008 album, Fearless. Due to a contractual breakdown and some business shenanigans, Taylor Swift does not own the masters to her first six albums. In an attempt to remedy that, she made plans to re-record them, beginning with her 2008 album, which won her her first of three Best Album Grammys. The weekend the re-recorded version, called Fearless Taylor's Version, was released, me and many of my generational comrades were brought right back to wherever we were in 2008. For me and those around my age, that meant being brought back to high school, which is also largely the setting for Fearless, making the album something of a double whammy. It's an interesting experiment to have millions of people revisit an album about high school heartbreak and homeroom, being 15 and dreaming of more, more than 10 years later. I saw a lot of people tweeting or texting about old high school drama, joking about how certain songs helped them through various moments, reminded of all of it through the sense memory of listening to old Taylor Swift tunes. It was fun and strange to do it on such a massive scale, but it's an experiment that's easily replicated by anyone on a more personal level too. Just put on an album you used to love many years ago and let the vibes take you back to that old place. They may not match up to our sense of smell, but the movies and music we used to love are a type of magic little nostalgia machine all their own. I'm Evan Rook. I'm one of thousands of women with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC. Which is breast cancer that has spread to other parts of the body. I'm living in the moment and taking Ibrantz, Pablocyclib. Ibrantz 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for postmenopausal women or for men with HR positive HER2 negative MBC as the first hormonal-based therapy. Be in your moment. Ask your doctor about Ibrantz and visit Ibrantz.com. Patients taking Ibrantz can develop low white blood cell counts, which may cause serious infections that can lead to death. 
Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs that can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are pregnant, breastfeeding, or plan to become pregnant. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. And that's Viewpoints for this week. Viewpoints is a production of MediaTracks Communications. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to learn more about upcoming shows. And find a library of past programs on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Plus, you'll always find previous segments and more information about our guests at viewpointsradio.org. Join us again next week for another edition of Viewpoints. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.